Okay, so for the second study of the book of Galatians, yep. I want to take us, we, we, we went through a book of the, an introduction, we talked about its purpose, uh, the author, about when it was written, why it was written, can a star for anybody who can tell me the three parts. What's the basic three parts of the letter? Oh yeah, he verified his credentials. Yeah. He was called a Jesus. Yep. Faith. Justification. Justification by faith. And what was the last part? Well, that's part two. Yeah, that's that's the second part. But that you're right. What was the third part? Five and six chapter. The fifth and sixth chapter. It is the fruits of the Spirit and how you're supposed to live, right? Galatians chapter 5 is full of that. I can't wait to get to that chapter. We should get there by about two years from now. <laughs> yeah, just, just stay tuned. So, okay, so we got down through verse 5, which was basically the introduction, you know, the salutations. But you'll notice if you go back and forth in Paul's letters, especially the book of Corinthians, He's very much so, even though the, the, the Corinthians uh, were, I mean, they were really having a, a departure from the faith morally, okay? He was much more kind to them, even though they were having a moral issue in the church. I shouldn't say he was more kind, but his salutation was much more full of grace and a little bit longer. But he was much more to the point without all of the pleasantries coming in, coming into this letter because these folks right here were having a departure a defection if you will from the theology of grace okay so this was an even more a bigger problem if you will uh, to the church to the church and and its people and to the message of Jesus Christ they were now it wasn't so much a personal problem that somebody was having that the church had to handle. Now it's becoming what the church is beginning to preach. Okay. And they're leading people back into the law and away from the doctrine of grace, which is by which we are saved. Okay. So in so doing, they're also negating the life, death, blood, cross, the, the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're going to get into that here in just a second. And I want to I want to start at verse six because we're going to probably do a little bit of talking tonight, uh, and hopefully we get you guys get some get some uh, get you guys going in here with me a little bit and participating and get some questions going on. But I want to look at verse six begins the meat of this message. Okay, and it was the reason for the letter. It was it was really. I want you to, to observe these words that he wrote, okay? He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, first, I want you to understand it was Paul that began this church. It was the message that Paul brought. So not only was they 
deserting the one who called them. He was, they were turning away from Paul too and the message that he brought, the original message that he brought, but they were also defecting from, from Christ. Okay? But he said, I'm astonished. He gets quickly to this. Here is this church that he began with a different message than what they had turned it into now. How he was astonished. Imagine, I mean, you had, you had went and, uh, and established this church like he did. And you came and learned that the grace of God that saved them, the power of God that changed their lives, they were born again at Paul's message and felt the power of the gospel in their, in their own very lives. And yet they found the need to change things. And let me tell you something. Paul was not about to let that happen. There was no way, no way that he was going to let that happen. So let me ask you guys a question. How much do you love the truth? Think about that. Would you rather me preach a gospel that's comfortable to you? One that more suits the way you think? Okay. How much do you love the truth? And why do you love the truth? Paul loved the truth. Okay, how much do you love the truth? Well, if you don't love the truth, you're not gonna. It's not gonna do you any good. I mean, right? Does truth always coincide with how you feel and see things? No. Should should we make it more comfortable for people? No. Should we change the message so it fits our lifestyles? So it fits more of what we can maybe fits more of, of what we're used to living. I mean, no, right? Paul loved the truth. And he was willing to stand for it. This is where we're at today, especially. And, and I want to just bring talk about that just a little bit. Standing for the truth. OK, not accepting another gospel. Now, I'm going to tell you, there have been from this kind of, of teaching, teaching where you mix legalism or works with grace goes on today. There are a lot of churches. There are a lot of false religions out there. And that's what they are who go under the banner of Christianity, but teach works along with it. And this is no different than this gospel that they were beginning here in Galatia. There is absolutely nothing that you can do with your own hands to save you. You cannot produce right standing justification and reconciliation with God by anything that you choose to do. I want you to know that. The Galatians were having a hard time with that. People today have a hard time with that. We think that we have to earn it. We've been so taught that, you know, in our lives that, hey, if you want respect, you got to what? 
If you want money, you got to what? If you want a new car, you got to? You, everything in, that we have been taught, which there's nothing wrong with these things, okay? But we've been taught that we have to earn everything we get and especially earn something that is worthwhile or worth a lot. How is it, Pastor Jay, how many times have I, have I been talking to people about this? How can I just obtain something so precious? You say that this is the most precious thing that there could ever be is eternal life, and yet I cannot earn it? You see, this is why people have such a difficult time, American people, with this gospel message, especially in the day in which we live, because you can't earn it. It has to be bestowed upon you. And the only way that God, it comes from up above. And the only way that God will give it to you is not through your good works, your legalistic approach to keeping the Ten Commandments or the law. You cannot earn it through good deeds. You can only earn it through expressing heartfelt faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And the fact that God raised him from the dead. And the fact that he was the only begotten son of God. And it was his blood that was shed that, is, that provides the remission of sins. When you believe that. And you turn to him for forgiveness. Instead of your works. It, when you turn to Jesus Christ in faith believing. To help you and to change you and to forgive you. Then God will save you. But if you think that you've got to go knock on so many doors to earn it, or you think that you've got to go give to the poor to earn it, or you've got to keep a set of rules to earn it, then you've totally negated the cross of Jesus Christ. What did it mean then? This disturbed the Apostle Paul to no end. To no end. You have no idea, and I'm just starting with this very first couple words, okay? How many people that I talk to on a daily basis who say they're Christians and that they believe in Christ and yet they make up their own truth? I'm, I, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing how many Bible scholars there are out there who've never read the Bible. Has anybody but me ever encountered those people? Right? I was talking to someone just the other day and they were talking about being married and this and that and, 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 and that their children want to get married. And, and, and I said, well, one of the reasons why there's so much divorce out there is people want to enter into holy matrimony, but they have no idea what God demands of married people. And so therefore they fail. You see, you cannot say you're a Christian and then make up your own rules as you go along. The Galatians in this particular instance were taking that gospel message of faith and belief in Christ and in, in the accomplishments not of themselves but of Jesus Christ being the only begotten Son of God, being the Messiah who bled and died on a cross and who was risen from the dead. 
and expressed faith in him as the only way that you can be saved, that just wasn't good enough for them. They had to do something else. And especially the fact that here we are in the genesis of this thing as we talked uh, this, this past Wednesday, it was going to be a difficult thing to root out Judaism from the hearts of people who were used to doing it for the past hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. How can God be pleased with me? They just couldn't take that step of faith to where they felt so guilty if they didn't go to the temple and offer up an unblemished lamb. How can I not do that? You see, they had been taught to do something, to earn something, just like we are taught. This is the one thing. This is that one thing that you can't earn. I want to make that very, very clear, okay? Okay, so I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting. How is it that you can start so well? And I see this as a pastor, and I want your guys' input on this. How is it, do you think, that people can come into contact with Jesus Christ and have that soul-saving moment to where they are changed inside and then yet begin to defect to going back to the ways of evil. How do you think that happens? What causes that? Why do we so easily forget? What do you think about this? What do you think Paul's talking about here? That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. Do you understand what he's saying? Remember, we're talking about these Judaizers, right? That wanted to mix Judaism plus Jesus. But he said to these people, you're deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of of Christ. What do you guys think about that? Yes. I think Paul was writing this letter because he was getting a bad report about them. Yeah. When he was there before. Because they're reverting back to what they've done in the past. They're going right back into bondage. Because, because Paul's not there reinforcing them anymore or setting them up. They're going right back to where they, they were before. I got a question about. Yeah. When God set the rules down for them under the law, if they did not follow God's rules, he put the hammer on. Yeah. Do you think that they were for that in the back of their Yes, mind? yes. Yes, I do. That they didn't you know that they were afraid and they didn't do what they they were gonna get the hammer put down. Well, yeah, and they were they were also afraid of okay. There was a couple things here I think going on, actually, Rich, is the fact that yeah, they were probably afraid of what, you know, they didn't have faith enough in this message of grace. They had more faith in the, in, in the Mosaic law in which they were brought up in. But they were, they were, they were also concerned with how would they be treat, treated by Judea and Judaism? Would they be kicked out of the temple forever? Would it bring harm upon their families? Would it bring harm upon their children? Because, you know, back in this day, 
If you were removed from the temple and you were no longer allowed to be a part of temple worship, your life was pretty much ruined. So faith in Christ in this particular instance meant you had to totally pick up your cross and leave that lifestyle, which was, you know, going to bring you public ridicule. Okay. Jesus had been crucified. Crucifixion is considered to be uh, done to people who are what? An abomination, right? And Jesus, this person that you're deciding to follow, is, was considered to be a criminal. Okay. And he was publicly crucified. And now here you are. Now you, you, can, you can see what they're doing. Okay. I really want to believe in Jesus, but I just can't let go of this. I want to be good in both people's eyes. I want to be good to the temple worshipers, to, to the Mosaic law, but I also want Jesus in my life. But the two can't mix. You, you would think, let me ask you guys a question. Why can't the law mix with grace? Why can't, what, what, what's the hang up? That's exactly right. The law was written to show you that you can't keep it. Understand that. Everyone that's listening to this by podcast, understand that. You cannot keep the jot and tittle of the law. No man can. And that was the reason why it was written. To show you that you are not able to keep the righteous standards of God Almighty. The law was intended to show you that you are a lawbreaker. And that the law did not produce a, an answer to the breaking of the law. It only produced a consequence to the breaking of the law. So you have here an incomplete, not imperfect, but an incomplete covenant. And God did that on purpose. The Messiah was to come. And now we have the answer to the law. We have the answer to what... If the law showed us that we were doing wrong, now we go to Jesus for grace and God's unmerited favor. And now the law works the way that it was intended to work. It brings you to the one who can produce reconciliation. You know, he reiterates this twice. And there, yeah. And I think that the reason why he did that was to show that he was so confident that Jesus was the one that taught him and showed him the gospel to bring to these people. That even if an angel from heaven, if a man or even then he upped the ante or even an angel was to bring you something different. I'm so confident that they let them be accursed. But. And we're going to get into some of that meat here in just a minute because there's, that, there's a whole lot to that. So he says here, he goes, who called you into the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. What's the meaning of the word gospel? Good news. Good news. Is the law good news? Really, it's not. The law is death. The breaking of the law meant you got crucified or you got 
stoned, or, you know, it, it was death. The good news, what's so good, what's the good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ? What's the good news? It's offering eternal life. What else? What does it do that the law, and that is one of them, but what's another point of the gospel that the law doesn't do? Forgiveness and, and grace meaning God's unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. The good news is this. God is going to forgive you when you don't even deserve it. When you're a lawbreaker, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross created. It created a situation to where God will grant to you unmerited favor because of your belief in His only begotten Son. And it will save you. Even when you don't deserve it. Why? Do you think? Why did Jesus' sacrifice on the cross bring unmerited favor? Why? Think real deeply on this because you got to dig a little deep, deeper into your Christian knowledge here. Why? What did the cross, let me break it down for you a little bit more. What did the cross do for you and me? What did Jesus actually do for you and me on the Yes. Yes. So God's unmerited favor is Jesus said this. When he cried out, it is finished. You have no idea how much that meant. When he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. That meant God. I've done all that you've asked me to do. I have taken on to myself. Every sin that every person in this world and in the future to come could ever commit. This is why Paul was so angry at these Galatians. Because Jesus on the cross, when he said it's finished, there was enough grace there. That old, that old saying says, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. There's a lot of truth to that. Because for every person that has ever been born up to that point, and for every person that will ever be born, there is enough grace on that cross to cover your sins. God said He accepted that ransom. The Bible says you are not your own, that you've been bought with a price. So God's favor to you is not because of you, it's because of His Son. And what His Son did for you. And honoring that covenant, God extends His grace, unmerited favor to you, because in Christ, He took your sins and became your sacrifice. That there's never any more sacrifices to come. There's no more law to cover this. 
You can't, that, to go to, back to legalism and to go back to Judaism at this point in time is to disgrace Jesus, to spit in his face. Because the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world has been sacrificed. And that blood is better than the blood of bullocks and turtle doves and animals. Shedding of blood. Jesus is the final blood sacrifice, the last blood sacrifice. Yes, that is correct. Yes, absolutely. So you you're you're getting a now we're delving a little bit, if you will, into the mind of Paul and why he was saying what he was saying to these Galatians and what was his motivation. He was not motivated to go back in there and and tear this church down for what they're doing because it was him that was offended or it was his message that they didn't keep. He had this zeal to go in there and correct them because they were going against what I just described to you. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the precious blood of the only begotten Son of God, was now being taken and, 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 and these people were, were giving up freedom to go back into the law of captivity. And they were disgracing His Christ. This is the reason for his zeal in dealing with these Galatians and the fact that he couldn't believe that they were doing such a thing. Okay? Listen to this. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. I wanted to, uh, to, to, to look at that word real closely. Um, that word pervert. They were taking the gospel and perverting it, changing it. Now, if you read in the book of Revelations, it tells us that if we change one jot or tittle of this book, we'd be guilty of all the plagues therein. Okay? You cannot change the message. The message has to change you. You can't break the mold of God. You have to allow it to break you. To pervert this, and immediately uh, my mind goes into the book of Revelations and it takes away the impurity, it takes, it takes away the purity of the message of Jesus Christ. And starts adding in the works of man. Anytime you start adding in the works of man. Anytime you see a church out there. And you guys know that there's truckloads of them. I've mentioned them many times. Where people think that, that they have to do this. Or say that prayer. Or slide this bead. Or knock on so many doors. Or, or whatever it might be. You are adding in the works of man. And making the gospel unpure. And you my friends, are an abomination that do such a thing and you are falsely teaching the gospel and leading people astray. 
The apostle Paul would have a heyday today. He, he, he couldn't, he'd have to hire so many helpmates to go out and start correcting churches. It'd be unbelievable. So many people are jacked up because they are not taking the simplicity and the purity of the gospel to heart and leaving it at that. They try to add on to it and that's where you get your denominations and that's another sermon, okay? Denominations are man's thoughts on the scriptures and then they form groups and their, their groups form a movement and the movement forms a denomination. That's how it happens, okay? Instead of just accepting the scripture for what it is and what it says, we try to put our own spin on it because we want something that's more comfortable for us. And that just isn't correct. But this impurity takes me to in the book of Revelations. You see this whore riding on the back of the dragon. Okay. Now, what, what's so perverted about this? is there is a woman, we have been described as the bride of Christ, right? Betrothed to him. And we are supposed to be faithful to Jesus and his doctrine, not changing anything, but living for him in faithfulness until his return. This whore or this prostituted truth, she looks like a bride. She fits the description she has a little bit of Christianity in her, but she has done just like these Galatians and she has prostituted some of the truth in there and added in a whole bunch of stuff in which her foundation is Satan himself. And she is a form of the gospel, the scripture says, that denies the power thereof. You cannot change what God has begun. We cannot make better something that God did. Can I get an amen? amen. You ain't going to take something, you ain't going to take the gospel and add your thoughts to it and God go, oh, I left that out. Oh man, I'm so dumb. I left that out. Thank you, Pat, for adding that in. I really appreciate that. Okay, that just isn't going to happen. Well, that's what this prostituted truth looks like. Now, interestingly enough, when it talks about an angel coming up here, okay, it says here, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach another gospel, then the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Listen. Is it any, this is almost prophetic. Joseph Smith, the head of the Mormon church, who began the Mormon church in around 1820 or 30, proclaimed that he had gotten a message from an angel on these tablets. And when he died sometime around 1840 or 50, I think it was Brigham Young that took over this, this message. And they created their own gospel. Okay, which led them, I think it was to Utah, where they could have more than one wife. And they created this belief system uh, that is pagan to the core, who also does in, in, the, in the depth of their beliefs, do believe that there's also a female co-redeemer. And also puts Jesus 
And I forget some kind of a relationship with Lucifer as well. It is a jacked up situation in which they got their message from an angel. Now, do I doubt that they got it from an angel? Perhaps they did. Perhaps it was a demon fallen angel. But Paul would say, let them be accursed. This is how we have to understand this. There should only be one church of Jesus Christ. People say, do you know how many times I've heard this? It's, it's, it's astonishing how many times. Well, see, that's just how you interpret the scriptures. I'm going to tell you something. It's not up to public interpretation. The scriptures interpret themselves. There is a truth that lies within the scripture that is not up to man to try to determine. God didn't say, here, just make this whatever you want to make it. Why, how would that be fair? And how would that be consistent? And how could God judge when we're creating our own gospel? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. True. That's a good statement, Jess. Well, nobody's getting judged. We're all just floating around here, you know, and doing our own thing. It is not up to you. This is why there are so many denominations across the land. Well, who's right? Is it, is it the General Baptists? Is it the Free Will Baptists? Is it the United Baptists? Is it the Primitive Baptists? Is it the Church of God? The First Church of God? The Church of God of the Mountain Assembly? Is it the Holiness Church? Is it the Lutheran Church? The Episcopalian Church? Which one is it? Are they all right? Are they all going to heaven? No. Let me tell you, you cannot pervert the gospel. You have to teach it in its truth. Okay? You have to accept it in its truth and in its purity. Listen to what he says here. He emphasizes like we talked about. He says, as I've already said, so now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel, Paul was so confident in this grace. First of all, did it not lead them all to salvation? Has it not led them to salvation in the knowing of Christ? Did it not born them again? And yet God was using Paul and through Paul was demonstrating to the Jewish people who the scripture says seeks a sign, right? What does that mean? That the Jews always seek a sign, but the Greeks seek after knowledge. What does that mean? The Jews have to have a physical, physical sign, something they can see to believe something. And the, the Gentiles, the Greeks, have to have, have to be able to explain it in their own minds through knowledge, through teaching, or whatever, that it makes sense to them. Right. Right. Exactly right. They, don't believe. they just don't get it. No. And they won't put their, they, they won't, they won't grasp onto it. So God did, God gave Paul wisdom in order to teach to the Greeks and the Gentiles, but he also gave him demonstrations of power when needed. The greatest miracle of all, and I want you guys to remember this, is being born again. A man could make the, the, 
ask God to, to stop the sun from rising and, and stop time and God do it. And it's been done in the scripture. That is not greater than you being saved. The greatest miracle of all is when a person's heart and soul gets transformed into a new creation. And how in the world could they so easily walk away from that happening to them? So this message, they were being perverted. So he, he reiterates this. Okay. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. What do you think that means? What's that mean? What do you guys think that means? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Tell me, you can't serve two masters. That's true. Look a little deeper. Right. So he was going back, yes, to both. He was going back to my first statement. These Judaizers, these, these Galatian Christians who was trying to blend them both was trying to please people and trying to please God at the same time. They didn't want to stand against these folks, Tom, that was telling them, said, listen, you shall not abandon the law of Moses. God says that. So why are you abandoning the law? If you want to believe that Jesus was a prophet and he came and all right, that's fine. But you can't abandon the law. And so Paul makes this statement. Now, why is this a huge deal coming from Paul? Think about that for a minute. Why is that statement a big deal Coming from the Apostle Paul. Yes, precisely. You couldn't get anybody else more uh, qualified to make a statement concerning the law of Moses. There wasn't a man in the land who was more qualified than the Apostle Paul to speak on the Mosaic law. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, man. He says that. I mean, it was him who went to seek letters from the high priest to come and, and persecute the church of Jesus Christ because he was such a lawful follower of the Mosaic way. There, if, if the Galatians, he's, he's in his mind, I know what Paul's thinking, in his mind he's going, how can these Galatians be believing these, these fruitcakes coming along when I'm the one telling them? Not that he believes that he's anything, but he knows the law better. He was taught at the, at the feet of Gamaliel, the most leading teacher of the Mosaic law in which Paul was an expert. There is no one 
So if Paul comes in and tells you, listen, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. There is no one in the land that should be able to convince you to do otherwise or to send you back into believing the law. The only thing that could do that is fear, fear. People making you afraid. Christians today, they're not outspoken about their beliefs because of fear. Fear of what? Fear of what people might say. Fear that someone might think you're a radical. Fear that someone might think bad of you or not want to hang around you or be your friend no more. Or that your family might not want to be around you. Family can be your arch enemy. According to scripture, Jesus said a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Father against son and son against father and mother against daughter and daughter against mother. He said these are your enemies. Because these people are tied to who you are. You, you, you can't lose your family, but yet you might have to. Listen, God's got to be number one. Go ahead, Jessica. Yeah. 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 So they're kind of happy, even though it's entirely different generation, and that generation no longer was alive. But yeah. It's a, it's a different type of cycle, but similar. Yeah, and 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 I don't want to sound like I'm condemning them too bad because I can understand their being kind of questioning this. Okay, because it was like you said, you know, like we talked about earlier, it's so ingrained in them. I mean, let's face it, they had. The law of Moses for hundreds and hundreds of years. They had temple worship for hundreds and hundreds of years. They had the, they had the Levites. They had, I mean, they had this whole thing. Their whole belief system was about the five books of Moses and, 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 and God's instructions. And God's instructions to the Jewish people was backed up by miracles and plagues upon the Egyptians. And, and they, you know, a, a, a fire at night and a cloud by day leading them to the promised land and all the things that Moses did. And they're, and they're, they're overcoming all the, all the armies to, to, to come into the promised land and, and how God intervened and all these kinds of things. And, and, and so I get it. You know, I get that. But the fact of the matter is, we're still dealing with this sort of thing. Perhaps not in the way that they were doing it with the Mosaic law, but we are dealing with it in the fact that people think that they can earn God's favor and you cannot. You can't earn it. I don't care if you go stand and feed people in 25 soup lines a day. I don't care if you take all your money and give it to the poor. God, that does not impress God. That cannot earn you reconciliation and right standing with God. The only thing that does is your faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing that we can do today will ever put God in. What I'm saying is, we will, God will never have a debt owed to us. No. Some of that, you know what I mean? It's like yes. We can't do anything to make God give us something as now you owe me. Right. No. It doesn't. It just doesn't. Don't make deals like that. No, it doesn't. You can't put God in 
as has been said before, God's not in heaven saying, let's make a deal. He said in heaven, this is the deal, right? That's what he says, right? 